born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Now, look in your notes here for the sake of time. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 6. Look what he says in your notes. Now, these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things. Why would he have to tell them this? Because is it possible that God's children can lust after evil things? Can you? Every man in here knows when he sees a pretty woman, whether in the flesh or on TV, how your mind can work. You say, oh, not me. I'm so holy. <laughs> I was told this. It was in the, the newspapers just recently. It's a picture of a man who had a, a big old black eye. Anybody seen this? Great big old black eye. His face was all beat up. And he didn't know what happened to him. But he had gone to a bar and he had drank till he got so drunk. He come into the house at about 1.30 at night. He stumbled over a chair, fell, and he hit his head against the door. And then he went to bed, as far as he can remember. When he woke up, he realized that he had a great big old black eye, all beat up. And there was a note. Dear husband, I love you. You're wonderful. I've got your breakfast on the table waiting for you. You're the greatest I had to leave for work, but I let you rest a little longer. He got out of bed, looked at himself in the mirror, couldn't believe it. Walked in there, and his boy was sitting there at the table, and he was eating. He looked, and there was his food sitting there. And he thought, what in the world happened last night? So he looked at his son, and he says, what, what, what happened last night? He said, well, Dad, you, you came in drunk. About 1.30 in the morning. And you stumbled over the end table and you hit the door and you got your face all messed up. And mama pulled you into the, the bedroom and tried to get you ready for bed. And she started taking off your shoes and then she started taking off your pants. And you hollered and hollered and screamed and fought. Says, no, no, you can't take off my pants. I'm married. I'm married. And that changed everything. The woman was so proud of her husband. <laughs> it's perspective. It's how you see things. And sometimes people can misinterpret things that are found in the Word of God. How we should live is very important. You see, how we should behave ourselves. But if God said, you must do this, and if you don't, you're going to lose your salvation. 
Nowhere in the Bible will you ever find that. My wife always knows where I'm at. She's never had to worry about where's Jinky at tonight. Is he out boozing with the boys? I've never gone boozing with the boys. I've never been on drugs. I've never had a drink of strong drink. I've never had a cigarette in my mouth. I've never sworn a cuss word. I never did those things. So when here's all these people writing all these things. Yankee doesn't know anything about God they live in. And their life won't match mine. I'm not saying that to be proud. I'm saying that because it's the truth. Though if I didn't do these things, I will still be just as 100% genuinely saved as I am if I serve God with all my heart. And you can make the same choice, same decision. Look at this. In verse 10 and verse 6, Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Because you can. You can still lust after evil things. Well, they'll tell you, well, if you're really saved, you won't do that. You're not going to want to go out here and do all those bad things. You'd be surprised how some of you might in your own mind believe some of this stuff. Look at the next verse. In verse 20 of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would that ye should, would not have fellowship with the devil. So that means you have a choice. You can have fellowship with the devil. But God says, how can you do this? Shall you continue in sin? How do I perform? How do I live? The well, that's why you come to church. That's why you come to Sunday school. That's why you study the Bible. So you learn how to live. But if you don't, salvation is not contingent upon you growing in the Lord. Though it is the will of God that all of his children grow and become strong. Down at the bottom. The last verse. In chapter 12 and verse 25, that there should be no divisions in the body and that the members should have the same care one for another. Do you believe that God's children all love each other the way you're supposed to? You don't even love your household the way you should. There's time when you would like to see your kids executed <laughs> by the husband. You just wait till your daddy gets home because you don't want him to hate you. You want him to hate daddy. And then finally, Daddy comes home. Hello, kids. Ah, they run for their life. <laughs> Look at the next page. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. In whom the God of this world, which is Satan, hath blinded the mind of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Satan wants to keep the light from shining, and it's possible. Can the devil hinder God's children from giving the gospel? It says that. Look at the next verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 15. And that he died for all, that they which live, those who believe, trust Christ as Savior, get this, should not henceforth from now on live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Should is a choice. You can or you may not. If it was automatic, why would you even have to put it in the Bible? If everything was automatic that you're going to serve God, if you're really saved, you'll serve God. Okay, then why do we have all the stuff in the Bible? It would happen automatic. But it doesn't. Because you have to be taught. And you understand there's a price to pay if I'm rebellious. And there's blessings if I serve Him. So you can make a choice. God wants me to serve Him. And He wants to bless my life. 
because he loves me. I've had people write me little notes and say, Yankee, don't you understand that God says that we have to love God? And what you're saying and what you're doing shows that you don't have to love God to go to heaven. And I thought, good night. They finally got it. You don't have to love God to go to heaven. I'm going to heaven because he loved me. I serve him because I love him. But love can grow. Are you understanding more about the will of God today than you did 30 years ago? You're supposed to be growing in the Lord. And you should be getting closer to the Lord. Do you that have been here for 10 years that I've been here. Have you ever heard me try to encourage people to live in sin? To be rebellious to the Lord. I don't know of a preacher who wants people to serve God any more than what I do. But I'm not going to lie to you to get you to do it. You have a choice. And nobody can make you serve God. Nobody can make you love God. Look at the next statement. In verse 15. And that he died for all that they which lived should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. You see, there's a choice there. Is it the will of God that he wants us to serve him? Yes. The next verse, 2 Corinthians 10, 8 says, For though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, which the Lord hath given us for... Now get this. The apostles talking about the authority that God's given to them to teach and to educate the children of God. He says, now we can do that and edify you, or we can mishandle the word of God and destroy you. And there's people who want to destroy Christians by getting them to think... You have to serve God or you're not saved. That is not true. I'm saved because I trusted him as my savior. When I decided to serve the Lord, that was a commitment to serve. But salvation is the decision to trust. There's a difference. Salvation, a decision to trust Christ. It was not a decision to serve him. It was to accept what he did for me. Now that I am saved, I can make another choice. And a lot of people want to slam me because they say, well, Yankee doesn't believe that the Lord is to be called the Lord. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord. And I don't make him Lord. He is Lord, whether I accept it or I don't. He's the Savior of the world, whether I accept that or not. He is what he is. I don't make him anything. Now, I can allow him to save me by trusting him as my Savior. And I can allow the Lord to rule and guide my life if I choose to serve Him. But I can be saved and not serve. But that doesn't stop Him from being Lord. He is the Lord. And people think, well, Yankee just doesn't know that verse. He don't know that verse. Yes, I do know that verse. Come in my office one day and I'll show you my old Bible. It's not as big as... Hank Lindstrom's Bible was, but it's still pretty marked up a little bit. Look at the next statement. In verse 13, it says, But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds, he's talking to believers, your mind should be corrupted. Can a Christian's mind be corrupted? If your mind is corrupted, it means you're not going to make the best decisions. And you're not going to live the life that God wanted. But it is possible for your mind to be totally corrupted. It is possible for God's children to be deceived. But aren't you glad in spite of all of that? He said, I'll never cast you out and I'll never lose you. Regardless of how you live. Regardless of the choices you make for your life. 
I just found out a long time ago, I'm a lot better off serving God. I'm a lot happier, got a lot more peace, a lot more joy. But if I rebelled against the Lord, I'd live in constant fear. I wouldn't know how God's going to whoop me and take me out of this world. I just enjoy serving God. There's a peace and a satisfaction there. And I don't want to rebel against the Lord. I've got a choice to make. Just like I had a choice 59 years ago to either trust Christ or reject Him. So I made up my mind, I'm going to trust Christ as Savior, and I'm going to, I'm going to serve the Lord. But I made that decision up about a year or so later. It wasn't at the same time. I didn't know anything about serving God. Because nobody ever told me I had to, and I'm so glad. Look at the next statement. It says in Galatians chapter 3, in verse 1, O foolish Galatians. Now, these Galatians were believers that Paul had led to the Lord. And in chapter 1, in verse 6, he says, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him, the cauldron to the grace of Christ, into another gospel, which is not another, but there be some who will trouble you and pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach unto you any other gospel, let him be incursed. These were believers who had been moved from the truth of the gospel. And so he says, oh foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? When he makes this statement, that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you. You see, they were not obeying the truth. Were they believers? But not obeying the truth. Can you be a believer and not obey the truth about how God wants you to live? Does that break his heart? Why do you think it says you grieve the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is a person and he's grieved when God's children won't serve him. But he won't make you do it. He'll just make you wish you had him. Look at the next statement. Galatians 5 and verse 7 makes a statement. Ye did run well, but now you done messed up. That is a sign you're not really saved. Because you see, you, you started off, you did pretty good. Well, whenever they stopped running well, is that when they lost their salvation? Or how long did they have to run before it was taken away from them? Or did he take their salvation away from them when they made the first mistake? See, whenever you open up that can of worms, you know what you'll get? Worms. So in uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 12, these are two verses that show a positional truth and a practical truth. Position, this is whenever you trusted Christ as your Savior. God has made you pure and holy and set apart for His praise and for His honor and for His glory. That was done when you trusted Christ as your Savior. But it is still, in a practical sense, for you and I to bring praise and honor to the Lord. Now, look what he says in verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 2. Now, we know Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by, quote it with me. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Then, verse 10. Now, usually when we talk about salvation, we don't you mention verse 10, because verse 8 and 9 is about being saved and how you were saved. But verse 10 is what God wants you to do and how you live. And that's why he makes a statement here in verse 10. For we are his workmanship. That means he's the one who saved us. So that if I am his workmanship, it's a work that's already been done. As far as salvation, that's done. But, get the rest of the verse. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. 
Is God's Word telling us how we should walk? Yes. And you'll read the whole book of Ephesians, and it'll tell you how to walk. The Word of God tells us how you're supposed to think. But, you see, if this perseverance in the faith, that you will make Christ the Lord and the master of your life, and He has to be Lord of all, or He's not Lord at all, find that verse in the Bible. He is Lord of all. Period. But whenever you look at this verse, and he's talking about, we should walk in them. This is what we ought to do. And we should walk and serve God. And if God says do we do, then God says he's going to bless us and reward us when we get to heaven. But these are choices that we make. Look at the next verse, Colossians 2, 4. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Is it possible that God's children can be enticed with enticing words and go the wrong direction? Well, that's why he warns us. That's why I said, but every one of these words on should is showing you that there's a choice for you to make. And you're always making decisions, choices in your life. And sometimes if you don't seek the will of God, you can make the wrong choice. Even though you want to make the right choice, but you don't know God's mind on it. And so this is so important. Look at the next one. 1 Thessalonians 4.3. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. This means that you're supposed to live a sanctified life, a life that's set apart from the things of the world, a a holy life, you mean after you're saved. This is what God wants. And that's why he says that you should know how that you should possess this body. But now get this, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. Why didn't he say it's impossible for you to do it if you're really saved? If you're really saved, you're not going to. But that's not what it says. It says that you can commit fornication. Every Christian in this room, you are capable of adultery. You are capable of murder. You're capable of hatred. And you know you are. But aren't you glad that in spite of how wicked we can be, God still loves us. And regardless of whether you hate somebody, you would like to strangle them to death, And it doesn't matter all of the sins of the mind, all of your emotions. God still loves you. You're his child. And he loves you. And it grieves him, but he still loves you. And he said he'll never cast you out and he'll never lose you. But he wants you to walk with him. You see, God desires our close walk with him. We call it fellowship. He wants that time. He wants you to want him more than you want anything else in this world. He wants to be preeminent in your life. Like there's nothing else more important than you loving Him. That's God. But just because you choose not to, it hurts the Lord. It grieves the Lord. But He promised, I'll never cast you out and I'll never lose you. Because I gave you eternal life. You see, how you live has nothing to do with God keeping His promise. Because the promise of eternal life was not given to me. Contingent upon how I live. And people want to make that the issue. That's not the issue. Do I want people to serve the Lord? Can you listen to me? Am I trying to get you to live godly or ungodly? But not to go to heaven. Not to prove that you're saved. It might prove that you love the Lord. But look at the next statement. In verse 4, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. 
In the next verse, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live. We should. Now, it doesn't say must, but we should. We should live soberly and righteously and godly. Where? When we get to heaven. In this present world. So God tells us how he wants us to live. But you see, but it's not automatic. Because you can rebel against what God wants for you. God in his sovereignty chose to give man a free will. And people blame God for them making the wrong choices. Adam and Eve, they make the wrong choice, but it was still their choice. God told them, don't eat the fruit. What did they decide to do? Eat the fruit. God, you shouldn't have done that. Look at all the sin and the wickedness in the world. That's because people don't obey God. That's the consequences of rebellion. We should learn by now that it doesn't pay to rebel against God. So live that holy life that God wants. Look in verse Peter in chapter 2, verse 20. And for even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his step. Well, if it's automatic, I don't need to follow his example. It's going to be automatic anyway. Now, I know people say, well, it doesn't say it's automatic. If he says you're saved, and they say you will serve God, because he's the Lord and the master of your life, then he's going to lead you and guide you and if you don't go the right direction and do the right thing, then that's a sign that you never were saved. You said, people don't teach that. Go onto my website, the YouTube, Bible Line Broadcasting, and just look at the one sermon, Jesus versus MacArthur, and just read the comments and see what people say. If you don't believe it, read it. There's about a thousand of them for you to digest and have fun with. And see what they say about this preacher. Look at the next verse. In verse 9 of chapter 3 of 1 Peter. Not rendering evil for evil for railing for railing. For a contrarywise blessing. But knowing that ye are thereunto called that ye should inherit a blessing. God wants us to have blessings, not the chastening of the Lord. And you can tie that in with Hebrews in chapter 12. Look at the next verse, 1 Peter 4 and verse 2, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. Only a Christian can do that. So the rest of your life, you're saved, but for the rest of your life, look what he says, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh. That means you still got it. The flesh, that old sinful nature, you still got the old sinful nature. To the lust of men. You can. So that means it's a choice. It's not guaranteed. Well, I won't. If you're really saved, you're not going to want to go out here and do all those bad things. Evidently, somebody hasn't studied their Bible. Because it's what these verses, believe it or not, is in your Bible. And you say, well, you didn't read above it and below it. What do you want me to read the whole Bible today? You stick around, I will. (laughs) I knew you wouldn't. Look at the next statement. 1 John 3, 11, For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. So it's not automatic that you would. But should we love one another? Yes. And then we should earnestly contend for the faith. We should. But you see, you may not. That's why this is so important. 
Because it affects what you tell me. See, if you have to do all of these things in order to be saved, do you realize how long it's going to take for you to educate somebody before they can make an intelligent decision? If you have to do all of this to be saved, shouldn't you tell them at the start if that's what you've got to do? If you've got to live a changed life, stop all of your sinning. Don't continue in sin anymore. And how you've got to live... Don't you think you ought to tell the person that at the beginning? And then that would be what they call hard believism. You're saved by grace. It's the gift of God. If you had to do all of this to be saved, this would not be a gift. But after you've trusted Christ as Savior, this is the will of God. That you and I, we should live a holy, godly life. Look up here. Letting this hand represent you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us. Now, he hates our sin, but he loves us. And the Bible says to pay for sin is eternal separation from God in a literal fire burning hell. Since the whole world is guilty, the whole world is condemned. We're only waiting for the day of execution when we leave this world. But God says, I want you to go to heaven. To go to heaven, you have to be perfect. Nobody's perfect. And God says, by your good works, you'll never be perfect. You only try to cover your sins by your good deeds. Well, if I can just get more good deeds than I have bad deeds, I'll make it in. (laughs) That dog won't hunt. God says, you cannot save yourself. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. Came into the world because he loves us, hates our sin because our sin separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. So he took all the sin of all the world. Paid for it on the cross. Came back from the dead. And says to whoever in the world, whosoever, if you'll believe that he did it for you, pay for your sins. He'll put that payment to your account and you get to go to heaven on what he did for you. That is salvation. When he says it is finished, that's what he's talking about. The payment for sin is finished. And he can save you. So when I accept the payment that he made for my sins, I have a payment for all my sins. Part of them wouldn't have done me any good. So the reason I can't go to hell today is I don't have any sins to pay for. And the reason I can't go to hell in the future, I still don't have any sins to pay for. Now, that is good news. Knowing that I can go to heaven and I can live as I please. I mean, I can choose to serve God because I love Him. Isn't that better than you've got to serve God or go to hell? And people have a problem with the gospel. When I say I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, that's what I'm talking about. Some people are ashamed to say, I can trust Christ as my Savior and live like I please. That's what makes it good news. Or I could say, better news. Let's pray, shall we? No one looking around. Every head bowed. I'm going to ask you if you will trust Christ as your Savior. Because it's the only thing I can do. I can't save you. The church can't save you. Your good works can't save you. No preacher can. But God can. He said, if you'll believe that what he did on the cross, he did it for you. If you'll believe that and trust him as your savior, he would give you as a free gift, everlasting life. Would you trust him? I pray that you will. And if you will trust the Lord, would you let me know by just slipping your hand up very quickly and putting it right back down. Anyone at all. Say, that made sense to me. And I will trust Christ as my savior. And I'd like you to pray for me. If you're watching by internet, Right on the screen says, yes, I'll trust Christ as my Savior. I pray that you will. You that know Christ as your Savior, don't be ashamed of the gospel. 
It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Period. There is nothing else. And after you've trusted Christ as Savior, you know you have eternal. Yes, it is the will of God that all of God's children serve Him, to honor Him, to grow in grace. And it is not the will of God that we continue in sin. God forbid. Father, we thank you so much for your blessings. Thank you for this time together. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Telling someone how to go to heaven is the greatest thing we can do in this life. To prepare you, Pastor Yankee Arnold is offering you his book, Gospel Driven Man, absolutely free. Gospel Driven Man explains in simple steps how to successfully share the gospel. To get your free copy of Gospel Driven Man, write to Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Or email Yankee Arnold at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.